You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Just when you thought it was couldn't get any more difficult to be a Jets fan, today seemed to bring yet another layer of pain and heartbreak. You just heard Greeny talking about it. Jets fans everywhere trying to figure out what to do, not knowing what the status of Zach Wilson could be and when he's coming back. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet us your heartbreak on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Jason Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz. And uh, look, the news today was that we went from thinking that maybe Zach Wilson could be back quickly to finding out that it will be at least week four before he is back so to get us a breakdown on it espn jets reporter rich samini joins us rich always appreciate your time my friend uh, we'll start with the news that seemed to startle most of us you're around this organization all the time uh, were you startled to hear the timeline that we got today that it could be at least week four uh no i really wasn't too startled by it because i i've been operating under the belief based on some reporting over the summer that he was probably going to miss one or two games uh, so maybe a little surprised that it was three. Uh, I think the thing that surprised me most was that they actually announced it all in once today. I thought they would go week by week just, you know, for gamesmanship purposes. But I was a little surprised that Robert Sala came out today and said he's going to be out at least three games. That part surprised me. But the timetable, I kind of had a pretty good inkling that he was going to be out, like I said, one or possibly two games. You know, earlier in the show, I made the, the tragic error of comparing my Chicago Bears to the Jets, and I want to I want to apologize to mm-hmm. everyone involved with the Chicago Bears, including the fans, for that. I was merely trying to make the point that both teams have one focus this year, and that focus is to find out who their quarterback is. What do you watch for with the Jets in the first four weeks of the season and maybe more with Zach Wilson not out there? Well, they do have some interesting players. I mean, you know, Joe Flacco obviously is going to be the starting quarterback. I don't quite, you know, he's not interesting. I mean, his time is, has come <laughs> and gone. I think the guys you want to look for, I mean, they have a rookie running back, Brees Hall, who I think has got a lot of talent. They drafted Garrett Wilson in the first round. You know, uh, Justin Fields, your Chicago quarterback, his former college teammate. And then on defense, you know, they have Sauce Gardner, who I think has a chance to be a really dynamic player. He'll be starting right away at corner. Of course, the rookie from Cincinnati. So there is a lot of talent on this team, Sarah, like young talent that needs to mature. I think it's going to take some time. And obviously not having their starting quarterback doesn't help the situation. Rich, one of the reasons I'm out on the Jets this year overall is not because I don't think they'll be better. To your point, I think they have more talent, but their schedule is just absolutely stinking brutal. I mean, you talk about opening Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins right out of the gates. I I could see the Jets starting, you know, 0-8 through this process when you think about the way Vegas is going to look at this. So how do they sort of survive this schedule in a way that doesn't beat down morale? Yeah, I think think they're the first team in 18 years that is actually opening against one division straight through and not not their own division. The AFC North, what those teams have in common are good defenses. And that's going to cause a problem for the Jets because, as I alluded to a little earlier, they're so young on offense, you know, especially at the skill positions, and now they're going to be going up against, on Sunday, a really good secondary in Baltimore – you know, two really good corners with Peters and Humphrey could be a problem for the Jets. And each of the ensuing weeks, each team has their own problem. Next week, Miles Garrett, you know, and, and a really good Cleveland defense. 
So, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to go and say, oh, and eight. I do think they'll win a couple of games, but it's not going to be easy. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Rich Samini, ESPN Jets reporter. You can follow him at Rich Samini. So you mentioned Joe Flacco, and and we know his time has sort of come and gone. But from what you've seen in in camp and practice and preseason, what do you expect, and how much will it affect the actual wins and losses uh, between him and and whether Zach Wilson was out there? Well, I'll be honest with you, Sarah. I mean, he looked really good in training camp. Once Zach got hurt, which was uh, August 12th, I believe, right around the – yeah, it was August 12th against the Eagles. And then Joe took all the first-team reps, and he looked fantastic in training camp. I mean, his arm strength is just as good, you know, or close to what he had in the prime of his career. He he has dynamic arm strength, can make every throw. He knows where to go with the ball – you know, he's got that calm demeanor, that body language that kind of exudes, like, don't worry, everyone, don't panic, I know what I'm doing. He's got that kind of demeanor. and But then he went in against the Giants a couple of weeks ago in the last preseason game, and they had him on the run a little bit. And when you get him on the run, his decision-making falters, and he had a really bad interception that was, you know, returned for a touchdown. And and so that's what the challenge will be on Sunday. The Ravens are going to try to get him out on the run, off his spot, and out of his comfort zone. And that's where Joe Flacco tends to get in trouble. If the point of this season largely is to evaluate Zach Wilson, where's the line for the organization and bringing him back as quickly as possible so they can evaluate him versus making sure that he is as close to 100% as possible before he steps on the field so they get the best version of him? It's a really good question, and this this franchise is tied. You know these these leaders. You know Joe Douglas, the GM, and Robert Sala, the coach. They're tied to Zach Wilson. He's their guy, so it's in their best interest to do everything they can to preserve his future. That's why they're being, um, you know, overly cautious with this injury. You know, like could he play? Next week, nah, he couldn't play this week, even though he says he, he's not even running yet. So, he, obviously, he couldn't play this week. You know, could he play next week or the week after? Probably, if he were a veteran and had been through something like this before. But they are going to just lean, err on the side of caution, because they know if he keeps on getting hurt this year, there's going to be questions raised about whether he is the future. And there's already a durability question with him. He missed four games last year with a knee injury. Now he's going to miss another three. So that's a legitimate narrative out there. And Salah and and Douglas, they have to do everything they can to protect this asset, and that's why they're taking their time with him. Rich Semini is with us here on Spain and Fitz talking about the Jets. Uh, You know, hypothetically, and it's always tough to say, but what would have to happen this year for them to be back in the quarterback market next season? Well, I know some some Jet fans, like the, the fatalistic Jet fans, which that might be a redundancy. Most but, of them, right. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, you know, if he had a horrible year and just proved that he is not the guy, we all know next year's draft is, is rich with quarterback talent. But, you know, I mean, that would be an extraordinary set of circumstances for that to happen. And if that does happen – then someone else will be picking the quarterback because, as I mentioned just a moment ago, Salah and Douglas are tied to Zach Wilson, and if Zach Wilson fails, they fail. And if he fails that badly this year, then someone else will be in charge making those picks next year.
You can follow him on Twitter at Rich Samini. Rich, always appreciate your expertise. Enjoy the season. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. It's going to be interesting because he's right. Everything's tied to that one position. Everything's tied mm-hmm. to the quarterback, and we all know that. In fact, Sarah knows that because she's a Bears fan. It's time to clear the paint. We're going to let Sarah wax poetic on her beloved Chicago Bears while we preview the NFC North next. Ooh. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I'm simultaneously extremely excited for this NFL season and also sort of dreading the moments where I have to discuss in earnest my Chicago Bears. The odds are not in our favor, per Vegas, and per the opinion of almost every expert. But there are things to look for, and that's what I'm clinging to. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We were just talking about the Jets and how much of a bummer it is to have Zach Wilson out for at least the first four weeks, if not longer, when the goal of a season that is most certainly not going to end in a Super Bowl is to evaluate this young quarterback and not be able to. Well, in the case of the Bears, my Chicago Bears, this season is entirely about Justin Fields. And while people have been dogging the team fits for not doing enough to put the right things around him, I have heard some smart football people argue that they like the tack that this leadership has taken and that based on the absolute pile of dog poop they were given, they like what the new regime has done. And they think that they will be able to get a pretty good look at Justin Fields this year, even without the world's best offensive line or the weapons that you'd like him to have to throw to. I hope that's the case. I'm still a little bit cynical about what they've done this offseason. But I think when you look at it, as sad as it is, this is the first time maybe ever that I'm going to look at this as an adult and look at my Bears and say, I think they're going to be below even the Lions in this division. Well, ooh, I think you're probably right. Although when you say it out loud, that boy, that I feels know staggering. I compared them to the Jets, and I said they're going to be worse than the Lions. Like, just put me to bed. This is a, d- a depressing show. The one thing I, I I would say about this regime is that it it takes a second when you realize that you need as many things as the Bears need right now. It's hard to judge this coaching staff on much or Justin Fields yet. And you know you can go into a bakery and want a piece of cake, but if there's no cake there. You can't get it. And uh, while there's a concept of uh, they wanted to maybe improve their roster, that presumes that the right things were there at the right price. And I just don't know that that's, that was the case for a lot of teams this offseason. So I think it takes a second for them to build anything that uh, around Justin Fields. This coaching staff's got to figure out day in and day out, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, what do they have at quarterback and, and do they jive with him? Does it click? Do they have the right guy? I think they'll have the opportunity to learn that. And then they can spend aggressively, hopefully moving forward, to try and rebuild. But yeah, this is all about, you know, I'll remind you that Derek Carr's rookie season, I watched the Raiders go 0-10 and I still had a little like uh, giddy up in my step because I knew that the Raiders were finding their quarterback. And that's all that matters this year for the Bears. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember when, uh, especially during pandemic times, when it first started and, and Jordan Cornette was on this show hosting with me a lot, Spain and Company, I was just thrilled for him to have his team take Joe Burrow and get excited to watch. And I still feel that way about Justin Fields. And I think despite maybe the lack of talent around him, there are some things that will be much easier to tell based on coaching. And they did a lot of things that made no sense last year. Um, I think they will make it much easier for him to move the pocket 
they're going to do a lot more nakeds, bootlegs, a lot more sprint outs where they're cutting the field in half and making it easier for fields to read. I think they're going to do more things that fit him when it was sort of mind boggling last year, some of the games that you would watch what Matt Nagy was calling. Um, I think there's there's going to be a lot of just I, I'm I'm jury still out on Eberflus, of course, but I think based on what we've seen so far, bringing in some really good offensive talent on the coaching side, I think we'll have a much better look at Justin Fields based solely on just putting him in a better position to succeed. Yeah, and I will never fault a coaching regime that comes in and says, I need a second to figure out what I have here. I love right. that. You know, frankly, let, let the guys go in there and earn their positions, not based on what the last group thought, but what this group sees every day. I, I, I commend that a lot from a coaching staff. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're breaking down the NFC North. I guess we can talk about the other teams in it as well. At the top, everybody's pretty much got the Packers. A couple people, I think, are a little bit hot on the Vikings. But you look at the Packers, they've got a tremendous offensive line. Um, You've got uh, some questions on the wide receiver core with Devontae Adams gone, but everybody remembers the statistic that last year they had a winning record, a tremendous record, in the games that he was out. Um... Now you're going to try to figure out what your passing concepts are around each of the players that you have because you don't have a guy like Devontae who is the goal on every play and then the secondary are the pieces. You've got a lot of question marks. We talked about this with Robert Mays last night. Just like the Chiefs losing Tyreek, you've got now a Packers team that's not quite sure what opposing defenses are going to do against them. Without Devontae, it's a totally different look. So I'm interested to see what Aaron Jones is going to do probably more in the pass-catching side of things in addition to running because they've got a different look in their wide receiver core. Yeah, I, I think the div- the job is too difficult for Aaron Rodgers this year. I, I actually do not have the Packers winning this division. Wow! I know, I have stunning hot takes. Oh my God, the last couple days you are just diving into <laughs> just like – you don't have any faith in Tom Brady. You're out on Aaron Rodgers. Like, what are you doing, man? Well, you know, partying too much, apparently. Now, yeah. I, I, look, I, as much as I respect Aaron Rodgers, at some point you make the job too difficult. And I, right now, just I, I attribute so much of the failings of the Vikings to what we've seen just around, I, I don't want to say a culture of failure, but there's no nice way to put that. that Zimmer just didn't know how to get the best out of the guys that were on that roster. Uh, even watching Good Morning Football this morning when they were talking about their MVPs, Kyle came out wearing a Kirk Cousins jersey and said, I'm looking from uh, 10,000 feet. I see a quarterback with great wide receivers, a great running back, a good offensive line, and a great head coach. And that for and me, a great defense. I, I, I'm looking at, at the Vikings and saying, you have everything you need to take the, take the reins this year. I think the Vikings win the division and the Packers slip down to second. And it's not because Aaron Rodgers still isn't fantastic. It's just at some point, how much is too much for these guys to have to take on their own? shoulders yeah I don't agree with that I I mean I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, cousins in this new system I think it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be revealing about who he is a lot of the decisions that they make around Kirk Cousins are to fit a style that's sort of antiquated if you look across the rest of the NFL but works very well for him um there was a stat on Robert May's podcast that Last year, the Vikings had 93 dropbacks under center when not in play action. Mm. No other team had more than 55. They had 93. So it's this throwback style of they they want to have a three-step quick game. They want to have him be able to 
have that space, even when they're not in play action, and they want to allow him to play the way he wants to. Will that work? You know, will they still get uh, enough out of some some veterans on the on the offensive side? That's yet to be seen. I think the Vikings will be good, maybe a wild card team. I do not see them surpassing the Packers, particularly with the Packers having some time to figure things out on offense because their defense is going to be fantastic. I, I do agree that the Packers are going to have a fantastic defense. I think the Vikings' defense is pretty good, too. Uh, not as good as the Packers, but the Vikings' uh, opportunity to go out and be dynamic with somebody that knows offense. like Part of the failing to what you just mentioned, is that because Kirk Cousins is incapable of doing things in a modern way, or is that because Mike Zimmer, the head coach, uh, was antiquated in his uh, approach to well, football? Well, I don't think I, you can trust him when he has to read the field and make a play. And so... You know, you could you could have all sorts of great offensive minds, but if if it looks different on the field than what he expects based on practice and the whiteboards, that's when you that's when you lose a lot with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I I guess I'm putting a lot of weight in the ability of uh, Kevin O'Connell to come in and frankly out scheme people. Like uh, there's the Kevin O'Connell coming over uh, from San Francisco. I, I think he has a real opportunity to come in and sort of cement. The Kyle Kyle Shanahan coaching tree as he comes in and, and tries to disguise things better. Plus, you got Dalvin Cook. I, I mean, and then not mm-hmm. to mention all the wide receivers in the world. Like yeah. that's why I'm in. We, we neither of us have mentioned the Lions, by the way, who I think are a better team than than they were last year. But I, I just think there's a gap between where the Packers Vikings are and then the Lions. I agree. I'm interested to see what happens with Jared Goff, and it might be the hard knocks effect. But I think he's looked good. He's got now Jameson Williams. He's got a great offensive line that's going to help for the run game and you know you've you've got a guy who could be in a really good situation in terms of you know the collection of weapons that he's got last year Amonra St. Brown DJ Chark Jameson Williams TJ Atkinson and DeAndre Swift did not have a single snap together mm, so crazy. you put all the that talent together and you actually have them healthy enough to give Goff all those options and an offensive line to give him time to find them could be very fun for Lions fans could be a team that gives them a, a bit more wins than they've expected in in previous years uh so i've got packers vikings lions bears you've got vikings packers lions bears uh we'll talk mvp who's gonna win it this season then the nfl we will ask an athletic reporter coming up next spain and fitz the podcast it's spain and fitz sarah spain jason fitz hanging out with you on a wednesday on espn radio the espn app sirius xm channel 80 be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Let's welcome into the show NFL National Insider for The Athletic, Jeff Howe. Jeff, thanks for the time. Let's talk about that survey today you put out. It was 18 people polled around the NFL, eight of them GMs, three front office execs, five head coaches, two assistants. Josh Allen getting the most votes for MVP. Do you agree with what they voted and why? Well, it's it's interesting because it seems like that's the direction that everybody's kind of looking at with these preseason predictions, whether you've got people inside the league that I was speaking to for this story, or you, you look at the media members who are ultimately, at least some of them are going to be voting for it uh, about four months from now. I thought one of the quotes was interesting because it was like, Hey, I think Matt Stafford is going to make a run, but ultimately everybody kind of wants it to be, or thinks it's going to be Josh Allen. However, that quote was, I mean, it's just, there's so much momentum carrying over from, Last season, Allen's trajectory, 
obviously the Bills have all the talent in the world. They're going to be they're going to have a massive media spotlight this season. So uh, there's he's certainly on the short list. Seven times in the past, the preseason Super Bowl favorite has also had the MVP favorite. In none of those seven times have those both happened. So which is more likely here in, that he wins the MVP or that the Bills win the Super Bowl? I would say the more likely uh, occurrence would be Josh Allen winning the MVP just because, I mean, it's it's set up like you don't have to be – like I don't want this to come out the wrong way. But, like, the MVP is really like the, the quarterback who had the best season. <laughs> and I, I think everybody knows, you know, barring injury or something absolutely unforeseen, Josh Allen's going to have a great season. And because of the spotlight, you, know, you, you get through the regular season if you have the good statistical produ- production that everybody foresees. And then the Bills win to the degree that everybody kind of assumes that they will uh, throughout the regular season. Then, you know, that's conducive to an MVP. And there are a lot of times when, you know, you need a whole lot of things to go right for your entire team to win the Super Bowl. So I'll, I'll say that the MVP is more likely. We're talking to Jeff Howe, NFL National Insider for The Athletic. You can follow him at Jeff P. Howe on Twitter. Sticking with the quarterbacks, another question that was asked in the article, of the five quarterbacks drafted in the first round in 2021, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones, who's going to have the best season this year? And Trevor Lawrence received the most votes. What do you expect from him this season with the new regime done with the Jags? Well, that was my favorite question in this whole thing. Not like necessarily beforehand, but just because of the amount or, or the types of responses it solicited. And just hearing the way that people around the league view Doug Peterson as such an astronomical upgrade over the coaching situation that Jaguars had last year. And it, like I was talking to people last season, even before Urban Meyer was fired, and they were just opining that it doesn't look like Trevor Lawrence is getting coached. And they knew that he was way better of a talent than what he was able to show on the field. And it wasn't just him. I mean, it was, it was the Jaguars as a whole, because it was just such an awful situation with Urban Meyer and I'm getting fired after 13 games. Uh, Doug Peterson on the other side, on the other hand is, he has a really solid offensive system. He's a great leader. And, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, he's going to be a grown-up in the coaching room. And that's <laughs> going to be huge for Trevor Lawrence to, you know, he was the, the biggest quarterback prospect in a decade for a reason. He's got a ton of talent. And now that you've got a, a lot better and certainly a more stable situation above him at the coaching uh, ranks, you know, I think he's, he's certainly primed to have the breakout type of season that everybody sort of assumed would happen last year. Jeff, what about the opposite end of that spectrum then? Who do they seem to believe the least in out of those quarterbacks? Well, uh, it, that's a hard way to put it because I think there was a lot of belief in all five of these guys. and it. But, you know, Trey Lance and Justin Fields didn't get any votes. It was, but, like, it's not because they don't, you know, they aren't viewed very highly uh, by the, the people that I've spoken to. It's just that, you know, Trey Lance has two starts. And Justin Fields is still playing for an organization that is at the very, very early stages of a rebuild, and he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him. So it's not necessarily like these, you know, anybody's rushing to say that these, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields won't pan out. It's actually quite the opposite. Uh, the, The amount of praise that I heard about each of those guys individually was very high. It was just, 
you have to see it first as you, you know, with Trey Lance, you can think very highly of a quarterback, whether he's in your system or some other system, you know, whether you liked him a ton going into the draft and somebody else just got him before you or whatever, or, or whether or not you got him, you still have to see the guy go out there and do it on a weekly basis. And so I think that was probably, you know, some of the reluctance to, to choose him. And then you've got, you know, Justin Fields, who again, I think has a ton of talent and everybody else believes that too. It's just, he needs a little more help around him from a line and a skill position standpoint. Jeff Howe of The Athletic is with us here on Spain and Fitz talking NFL. I am shocked that the Jeffs, the Jets, not the Jeffs, not you, Jeff, you deserve all the votes. The Jets, I'm shocked that the Jets got the most votes for a team that was going to surprise in a good way. Now, I know that the vote was before the news of Zach Wilson now being delayed at least until the fourth week. But even if he was healthy, I don't expect Jack from the Jets. So are you surprised by that? And is there another team that you think is is more likely to have a, a surprisingly good season? Well, I think it's, it's all relative. So it, it was it was interesting because when I was putting this stuff together and asking these people these questions over the course of several weeks, you know, everybody kind of had their own parameters or, or how they like. You know, some people picked the Colts or the Broncos, and it was like, well, can I pick them because they didn't make the playoffs last year? And I was like, well, that's a certainly valid way to say that. You know, who am I to say that they shouldn't be a surprise type of team? Because you know, again, both of those teams have. Uh, some type of playoff drought. And then you've got a team like the Jets or, or even, you know, the Texans were thrown out there because and the Lions. You know, it's not necessarily that I think the people I spoke to expected those teams to contend for a playoff spot. It was just they were going to be a whole lot more competitive than they have been in recent years. And you look at what the Jets have put on the field the last several years. I mean, they haven't been com- overly competitive since, I mean, for, for quite a while. And they are absolutely on the upward trajectory and you know there's some quarterback uncertainty because Zach Wilson's going to be out at least three games and Joe Flacco hasn't won a start since 2019 when he was in Denver but you know you see the skill position players around him you see the last couple drafts by Joe Douglas in that front office and you, you see what Robert Sala is able to do as a head coach and I think people are really optimistic that the Jets are moving in the right direction the problem that they have is the AFC you know, if everything goes right for a whole lot of teams, there's like 13 teams that could finish with like legitimately a top two or three seed in this conference. And, you know, 12 at worst, I guess. And depending on how you look at maybe the Browns or whatever, maybe one or two others. So, it, you know, for the Jets to like, let's say, go, let, I don't know, nine and eight, 10 and seven, I mean, let's, let's pump the brakes on that. But they're going to be better than they have been. Uh, but, you know, the second part of your question, I'll be a lot more concise. You know, the Panthers and the Vikings are a couple teams over in the NFC that I think have a good chance to contend for those wild card spots. Real quick before we let you go, Jeff, you covered the Patriots for a long time, obviously. Uh, We're talking a lot about what they look like this year. What are your expectations for New England? I I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs this year. I think there's a lot of uncertainty with the way that the, the staff is kind of, you know, you got Matt Patricia as the expected play caller taking over for Josh McDaniels, who was as good as anybody in the NFL for the last decade, or I guess even, you know, you want to predate his Denver time in New England most of the last 15 years. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. They had a lot of issues uh, with, you know, their offensive practice in the preseason. So it's a massive unknown. And I 
have never seen a Patriots team go into at this point in the calendar have such an unknown on the offensive side of the ball. Now, granted, you take Tom Brady out of the equation. That's a, a huge part of it. But without having Josh McDaniels as such a, a stable force and voice with that system. Now, who knows? I, I think very highly of Mac Jones. And maybe the, the plan will come together more quickly than, than we kind of have seen. But that's a, a, a it's tough. It's tough to sit here and say that that team is because of how deep the AFC is. And then defensively, you know, it's hard to shake uh, the vision of what the Bills did to the Patriots the last couple times that they met last season. And you see some of the losses that the Patriots had on defense. They're younger than they were uh, last season, and or at least the key pieces are. They're, they're more unproven. So I'm not sure if the defense is ready to take a big jump either. So it's, you know, it's going to be tough for the Patriots to get back into the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch how that goes down. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for the insight. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Jeff. Of course. Thanks a lot for having me. You can follow him at Jeff P. Howe. Don't follow whatever other Jeff Howe I tweeted about earlier tonight. My bad. <laughs> it's Spade and Fitz. Coming up, LSU coaches past and present part of some interesting sound bites this week. You'll hear it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I don't know why I'm yelling. I'm just that excited. That's what happens when I hear Ryan Tedder. Uh, Sarah, there was, uh, there was a big college football action over the course of the weekend, and anytime we get college football action, it means that we're going to hear from college football coaches. So I expected to hear from one LSU coach. I didn't know I'd hear from a former LSU coach, and all of it has me thinking it is time for a college football edition of Bite Me. Play that one more time. The weirdest. Like, who do we think sang that? Is that is that from? No. Did somebody internally do that? I have no idea what that is. I wanted to ask you. Can we play that one more time? Hired to do that? Like I don't know. I don't even know whose voice that is. I think Ryan. I think Ryan Tedder wrote that one. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. I hear the jingle business is great work if you can get it. So good for him. All right. So in honor of bite me, some of the sound bites you absolutely can't miss and uh one the first one we're going to play here comes from a former lsu head coach ed orgeron we all know ed and his uh just gloriousness at press conferences he's one of the most entertaining people to listen to talk in general but he had something to say to the little rock touchdown club about his exit from lsu that i think is real honest and amazing check it out <laughs> i'm so grateful of my time for lsu coaches got a shelf some coaches got 50 years, some coaches got 12, mine was six. Good. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. Say, coach, things are not going well. No <laughs> Jeff Rachel's can see that, brother. <laughs> oh my God, the <laughs> and they were good. And, and Scott Woodward is a friend of mine today. Really, really, a lot of respect for the way they handled me. Say, coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time you want me to leave? What door you want me out of, brother? Oh, I love the snort laugh uh, because, frankly, anybody that snorts when they laugh is funny, Sarah. But I also feel that, like, you offer, I want to be very clear, Sarah. If you would like to offer me $17 million to no longer work with you, I shall accept your offer and kindly go away. I will build the door. I won't just ask which door to leave. I will physically figure out how to 
craft a door from wood to walk out of so that you can hand me the cache. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was going to be my favorite college football sound. Nay, it was not. Not just college football, but LSU sound. Because Ed Ogeron was replaced by Brian Kelly, uh, who now has a new family. And he, of course, struggled a bit. The team struggled a bit in their first game. And he had this exchange with a reporter. We'll open it up to this late arriving uh, media crowd that uh, must have uh, enjoyed the, the weekend. Um, that's usually $10 um, that we put in the kitty. Um, for we'll, we'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with winning. I think it has to do with being on time. Saucy! Afterwards, she said, just a joke. We've been joking a lot. I was actually early, but I love it. Yeah, and I love it. Maybe if you win, we'll be on time. Just the balls on that lady, the ovaries. Yeah, the uh, the number of other people that were at the press conference that also did make sure to tweet in support and say, hey, this was something that Brian Kelly was laughing about afterwards. So before anybody gets all up in their yeah, emotions yeah. with it. But my God, you're right. Just the level of, of chutzpah that it takes to say that to somebody when you're coming off of a difficult loss. I mean, it's also not like you got just railroaded by Alabama. No, you lost a heartbreaking, oh, my God, point. Uh, the, the, the extra point attempt is blocked by Florida State. I can't believe that just happened ending, and you got a beat writer after that just coming after you with maybe <laughs> if you won the game. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and she hey, did Fitz, po- Yes. you know who's going to always be honest with you? Who? Family. Oh, family. Hey, that's part of his <laughs> accent that he has yeah. from, from... It's from Boston and some, uh, yeah, a bunch of other... I, I was as surprised as y'all that it came out. I, I do like that Leah Van uh, is the reporter. Her Twitter response, quote, press conference was at noon. I was running from a doctor's appointment. Got there at 11.57. Very specific, by the way. Uh, yeah. Brian Kelly called me out and I jokingly said jokingly I owed him $10. I said if he won, maybe I'd be on time. Not my finest hour. I apologized afternoon, afterwards, but he was super chill and said I still owe him $10. So... Um, like you know, I, I yeah, I like this is what I want. Frankly, if we want all of us to pay more attention to the press conferences, give me more sass like this. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe let every one of the reporters be as uh, less like instead of being as professional as you are, have them be as professional as I am. Like, maybe we put a bottle of Jack out there and everybody takes a good solid shot as they walk in. The coach has to take a solid shot, and then we do the same interview. We get more of this, sir. I'd be all in for. <laughs> I feel like the question is whether or not you like that he still came in with that energy despite a rough start or whether you're like, Hey man, maybe not while people are still digesting that first game. Maybe we stay away from the, I'm going to find you for being late vibes. Uh, Well, here's the thing to stay away from that. You would have to have the natural ability to read the room. The minute he (laughs) said family, we learned he's got no ability to read the room. So uh, I'm not, I'm far more worried about the fact that Notre Dame looked better without him and LSU looked worse with him than anything else. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, It's funny now, but when we're on the fifth or sixth loss of the year, people won't be laughing as much if it continues. There was one other, by the way, soundbite that I need you to hear from the college football weekend because it comes from one of the most brilliant minds we have at the company, one of the most talented writers, one of the best reporters, and frankly, one of the smartest people I know. Heather Dinich, ESPN college football senior reporter, uh, or senior writer, I should say, on Best Week Ever said this about her title favorite. 
I have Georgia ranked ahead of Alabama. To me, Alabama and Georgia could certainly be playing for the national championship again. I'm curious to see what happens, though, as they go along. Do they continue to win like that? What does Oregon continue to look like? I just Mm. think going into this season, there were questions about Georgia and their defense. They lost so many guys, five first-round NFL draft picks on, on defense, and they didn't miss a beat. So the reason that Heather's brilliant today, because she's brilliant every day. Because she agrees with you. Because she agrees with me. Look, I, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I mean, Hashtag humble brag. I, yeah. I said it all week. While you were gone, I kept telling everybody, Georgia's being flat out disrespected, and they were going to just dominate Oregon. And frankly, I think they deserve to be number one in the rankings right now, not Alabama. I know, to her point, that there's been a reload for Georgia. But if you look at their recruiting classes, which is a huge part of the conversation in college football, they've been top five in recruiting for the last several years in a row. They've created the same sort of ability to rebuild that Alabama has, that Ohio State has. I have no lack of faith in that. And Stetson Bennett walked into that game with this swagger like, when you know you went from being the kid everybody doubted to the kid that just won a Mm -hmm. national championship, and you walk in like it's just it hit different he had that level of you know what energy that suddenly makes me feel like god i was already in on georgia now i'm all in on georgia i mean i was going to point out that national championship you just mentioned as if you're going out on a wild limb here picking the defending national champions as your favorite Hey, look, all I'm saying is that there were several of our national reporters and most of like the entire game day crew, they weren't picking Georgia to go to yep. the college football no, playoffs. I'll give it to you. So, you I'll know, give it to you. It, you know, it's, it, sometimes the hot takes, uh, you know, they're, they're not always steamy hot. We can't all be Keyshawn <laughs> little, just being reckless warm. with our Desmond Ritter <laughs> takes around here. Uh, speaking of Keyshawn, Keyshawn and Desmond Ritter are both going to be joining and Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Yeah, you don't want to miss actually all of Georgia football. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.